just want to thank you guys. What an incredible weekend. We had a baptism at a Christmas Eve service. Is that not an incredible way to close out Keystone Montgomeryville 2022? Like we had a baptism. That's a first for me. I've never done that on Christmas Eve, but I will do it for every one of them from here on out. So, but here we are, January 1st, 2023. And uh, what do you think I'm going to preach on today? The new year. Right? It seems obvious. I, can't, I think kind of have to do that, right? So out of curiosity and to see where to go here, how many of you, show of hands, show of hands, how many of you have already set some sort of goal, resolution? Uh, this isn't a trick. I'm not going to spend the rest of the time destroying it, okay? Like, I'm with you. I'm with you. How many of you have done that already? Good. Oh, good. A bunch of you. That's great. You should never do... No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. I, I read a few. I searched uh, a couple weeks ago. Good New Year's resolutions. I can't believe the ones I found that people actually put out there. Uh, one of the persons wrote, I can't believe it's been a whole year since I didn't become a better person. So I guess they're going to forward that. For, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to work out every day this year. Someone said that. That's good. I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, one dude, he's shooting for the stars. He said, I'm going to run a marathon, okay? I'm going to marry Taylor Swift, all right? And I'm going to find the Ark of the Covenant. Wow. He wrote that. I, I think he thought, I'm going to fail. Why not take a big swing? You know, I don't know. One dude, he said, my resolution for 2023 is to accomplish all the goals I set in 2022, which I should have done in 2021 because I planned them in 2020. I get that. I think I'm on that guy's team. Lots of people do that, right? We set resolutions. Some don't. You don't have to. I get that. But I think of it this way. We, sometimes we don't do it, or we don't want to set a goal for ourselves because we don't want to fail. Does it, do you ever do that? He's like, if I don't ever start it, at least I won't fail. Anybody ever have that type of thinking, or am I the only crazy one in the room? Okay, just me. Right, so this one's just for me today. And so we lay out that, that maybe I don't want to set a resolution, or I don't want to do that. So let's just lay that tradition aside, and I want to ask you as a church, as our church, why not commit this year to actually starting something? Like, like let's not think even about finishing, because what I'm finding out is this. You will never finish something that you don't start. Are you with me? Does anybody think that's brilliant? No, it's obvious, right? You will never finish something that you don't start. Do you agree? Okay, I know you will. How are you going to approach something like that? I mean, you know, your life. How am I going to finish if I don't start? You won't. That's, that's the reason. What, if, what if, I, if I looked at a guy in the Bible? I love this character we're going to look at today, Moses. Has anybody ever heard of Moses? He's a great guy. He's in the Hall of Faith. We'll read that in a minute. He's a character in the Old Testament. I thought, man, I, I'll, bet, I'll bet he often thought, I'm never going to finish. You think those things ever ran through his mind? He lived a long life. So I, I think we can look at Moses and we can learn a lot about how we're going to approach this year as a church, as individuals, as community groups, as disciplers, as next gen, as our preschool, elementary, our, our student ministry, because everybody has something, I'm convinced of this, everybody has something that God has told you, you need to start this. But many times we don't start because we're afraid we'll fail. And I'm convinced of it that we'll never finish if we don't start. I mean, what is it that maybe you're thinking about starting this year? You know, on Instagram this weekend, we put out a little survey, and we said, hey, what kind of things do you want to do this year? Here's some things that I, I guess these are people that go to our church. I, I don't know, but they wrote it in. Somebody wrote this. I'd like to start going back to church in person and make new friends. That sounds like a good 
New Year's resolution. I, I hope you came. I hope you're not sitting at home. Like, we have a second service. You can still do it. Start strong. You know, uh, one person wrote, I, I want to serve Jesus this year by serving at the church. I like that. They probably know the pastor reads these, but that's fine. Uh, one person said, I, I want to spend more time with God this year. Someone said, I want to start a community group this year. These are all good things that you have to start or you'll never finish. Maybe some of you right now, you haven't thought about it at all. And you're like, you know what? Maybe this year, rather than like going on a diet or getting healthier, maybe this year needs to be the year that I restore some relationships in my life. Maybe it's the year that, you know, we hear him talk about this all the time, me being the him. Like, maybe I need to be generous this year and actually tithe this year. Like we saw last year at our church that God blesses which part? The part you give or the part you keep? It's the part you give. And we said that for six months, and then God showed us that that's true. We planted a church, and then God sent us all the people that we sent away, and then he almost doubled it in like eight weeks. So don't tell me one bit, one minute. I will not listen to you if you say, nah, I don't really believe God does that. I know he does that. When you're generous with your time and your talent and your money, God blesses the part you give away. So maybe you're saying, you know what? I'm going to actually believe God on that promise this year. Maybe you want to develop a servant's heart. But here's what I know. If you don't start, you'll never finish. And if you don't do it, you won't ever do it. So what is it for you today, if you really think about it, that you just simply, all I'm saying is, simply believe or think or hear God tell you, I want you to start this. Don't even think about finishing. I read a funny tweet about this. You got, you know, I know, I know tweets, you know, whatever. But, but you had that little blue check. So, you know, you paid the $6 or whatever it is. Anyway, he wrote this. Yesterday, <laughs> I really like this. Yesterday, I completed a chore that I've been putting off for five months. It took me 20 minutes. I will learn nothing from this. Does that sum up anybody's life in this room? Do you have that 20-minute thing that you've been looking at for a year? And you know it'll only take you 20 minutes, but you just don't do it. And then you do it, and you don't learn anything from it. Okay, audience of one up here. But listen, does that sound like you, that you just can't get it going? So here's a little thought exercise for you. Ready? I know it's early. I know you're up late watching the ball drop or the mushroom. Or Don't you think Philly should drop a bell? Don't you think that's a missed opportunity? Can we just talk about that maybe later? Like, I was thinking about that. We were down there this weekend. Now I'm on a tangent. But, and I'm like, what do we drop? These cities drop things. And we were like, Philly has to drop a bell. We don't. We drop a ball. I'm like, I think that's a missed opportunity. Anyway, so if you really think about this, I want you to think not about that, but think about this. I want you to fast forward your life, like way forward, okay? You got it? You're like 30, 40 years down the road? Okay, now this is going to get morbid real quick. You're dead, all right? Think about you're dead. And they've had your memorial service, and everybody, this is the part of the memorial service where everybody's standing around waiting to go eat lunch, okay? So you're like in the lobby, and you're getting ready to go to lunch, and everybody is talking about you. At least you hope they are. What do you want them to say? They've already given the speeches. They've already given the prepared remarks. What do you want them to be saying about you? How do you want them to talk about you? Because here's what I know, in, in that answer, even that 20-second thought exercise, you may have the thing that you need to start this year. 
Do you want to hear things like, you know, he was a nice person. He was generous. He was full of integrity. He was an honorable person. Whatever it is. You know, I had, a, I had an uncle who died this week. And every time I think, I wasn't able to go to his memorial service. But every time I told somebody, I was like, hey, my uncle Johnny died this week. And do you know, every time I ever met my uncle Johnny, every time I ever had a, 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 a connection with him, he was so nice and gracious to me. Every single time. I talked to him on the phone a few months ago, and he said, Mark, the next time we see each other, we'll be in heaven. I want people to talk like that about me. So what do I need to start today so that, not just so they can talk good about me, but so that that's actually true about me. What do I need to start? But what I know is I will never finish that way if I don't start at some point. So what do you need to do? What do you need to start Moses, we actually get to see. We get to look ahead. We're looking back, but we get to see what they said about him after he died. I know it wasn't a memorial service, but we get to hear. This is actually what God had to say about Moses. Do you want to hear it? It's in this little part of the Bible called Hebrews, and it's at the end, and it's like the hall of faith, and it's all these really popular, famous people. Some of them you don't know much about, but some of them we know a lot about, and God says this about Moses in Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. He actually says a lot, but this is just a little part I'm going to pull out for you. Ready? In verse 24, it says, by faith, Moses. Honestly, you can spend the rest of your life making sure that that's the thing is said about you. Can you not? Wouldn't it be great if it was by faith, Jason, by faith, Micah, by faith, Eric, by faith, Amanda. Can you imagine if in 50 years, 60, 70, however many more God gives you, that that's how they talk about you? He lived his life in such a way that by faith, these things are true. Okay, back to the Bible. By faith, Moses, verse 24, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. You hear me? Choosing rather. I read a little further there. I think there's even a verse 26 that I put up there, did I? He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. You're like, Christ? Moses lived way before Jesus. Yeah, he knew what was coming. For he was looking to the reward. Hear me here. This is what God said about Moses. That's very powerful. That's where Moses ended. We get to see where he ended. But that is not where he started. That is not how his life began. There was a long story before we ever get to Hebrews 11. I heard it said once, overnight success takes about 20 years. You ever heard that? For Moses, it took a little bit longer. <laughs> Most people are at least familiar with the name Moses. In fact, when I said Moses about eight minutes ago, you're like, oh yeah, Moses, I heard of Moses, right? I get Moses. But I want to give you a little quick uh, recap of Moses' life because you have to kind of understand what in the world this is talking about before we even get to Moses. And quite honestly, we have a church where a lot of people come and a lot of people watch. And I talk to people all the time. They were like, I never knew that was in there. So one of my goals as a pastor shepherd is to show you what the Bible says. So Moses is not just a character, he's not just a fable, he's a real person that lived in real time. He was born, he was a young Hebrew boy, later they'd be called what? Israelites. He was born in Egypt, but there was a problem with that, because at this time in history, uh, Egypt had enslaved all of the Hebrews. You following me? 
All right, they were their workforce, in fact. The Hebrews were working for the Egyptians, building pyramids and doing stuff like that. You know that. The problem in Moses' birth was this was about the same time that the tide was turning, like the tipping point had occurred where the Hebrews were beginning to outnumber and outmuscle the Egyptians. And Pharaoh didn't like that. Pharaoh thought he was like a god. He was more than a king. He could do anything he wanted. And so he ordered that all the Hebrew boys, all the kids be killed. That's pretty serious. And so he wanted to do that. And so he said, in fact, throw them in the Nile River. Get rid of them. We're going to control the population because these guys are going to get older. And they're going to be stronger. And they're going to overthrow us. They're going to take us over. So let's control the population a little bit. Now, this is obviously a big problem, right? Moses is a young Hebrew boy. They just said, you got to die. So his mom, maybe you know the story. His mom makes a little basket and floats it down the river. Now, who do you think finds the little basket? Do you know the story? Pharaoh's daughter, she's down there taking a bath. That's how they did it then, okay? Uh, bath, you know, the, the fixer didn't come out and redo their shower. No, no, no. They just showered right out there in the open. And thank God they did because here came a basket floating by with this little Hebrew boy in it. And Pharaoh's daughter thought he was adorable. She picked him up. She said, he's cute and says, I want to raise him as if he were my own. Do you see how this is a major jump in society for Moses? One day I'm going to be killed because I'm Hebrew. Now I'm living living in Pharaoh's castle. I'm living in, like, this is so posh, this upgrade that he got. And he was raised on, as, as Pharaoh's own kid for 40 years. So you got a Hebrew boy growing up now in an Egyptian household, being trained in the Egyptian way, eating Egyptian food. It even says he ate the choice fruits and vegetables, which, I mean... I guess they had choice vegetables. I don't know which one that would be, you know? Like, not just carrot, like really good carrots, you know? I don't, I don't know. Carrots a carrot. So one day after 40 years, though, he's out overseeing a job. He'd be given power even. Like, we want you to, to do one of these work teams. You're going to be a pusher. You're going to be a manager. You are the man, Moses. So he's out there. He's working. And guess what? He sees an Israelite, a Hebrew, and an Egyptian, and they get into a quarrel, a fight. You've probably seen this. You ever seen two people fighting on the street? Of course you have. We saw it like last week. He looks at them and he's like, I've got to protect my people. And he finds that internally he is, he's saying, I got to protect my people, the Hebrews. I got to protect the Israelites here. And so what does he do? He goes over there and he kills the Egyptian, which I think is taking it too far. <laughs> Honestly. He then immediately realizes, I probably shouldn't have done that. And so what do you think he does? Well, you're, this is all in the Bible, guys. He takes the Egyptian body, and he buries it in the sand. He covers it up, and he goes on living his life. Now, who thinks that's going to work out in his favor? It doesn't. The next day, he's back on the work site. They're building, you know, the pyramid or something or one of them obelisks. And, and, and he sees two Israelites, two Hebrews fighting. And he's like, guys, you can't be fighting. And guess what? One of them looks at them and says, who made you judge over us? What are you going to do? Kill us? Who thinks that was a super awkward moment? He's like, yesterday I did kill someone, and I buried him in the sand. Today I'm trying to break up a fight. And you said, what are you going to do? Kill us like you did the Egyptian yesterday. So Moses now realizes it's up, they know, and he takes off, and he runs away. He abandons everything he's ever known, and he goes and he lives in the, in the forest, in the woods. And he goes and he shepherds for 40 years. How old is he now? 40, 40, 80. 
While he's out there, check this out. He has a son. He names him Gershom, which means I'm a foreigner in a foreign land. How much do you think this whole foreign identity? Remember, he was raised out of his culture, but in his culture. Don't you think that that's part of his identity at this point? I mean, when you're naming your kid foreigner in a foreign land, that's like part of your identity now. It's important to understand. Moses was 40 years in Egypt, 40 years wandering out in the desert watching sheep. One day, he's out there watching sheep. I don't know, side note real quick. Have you ever noticed how much God loves shepherds? I know we spent Christmas Eve on that, but like David was a shepherd. All these shepherds, I'm telling you, God loves a shepherd. He uses that imagery all the time, and here he is again. Moses is out uh, watching over the sheep, and all of a sudden, what occurs? Burning bush, literally. I know sometimes we say, I had a burning bush moment. No, he really did have a burning bush moment. The bush was on fire, and it spoke to him. And God spoke to him through that bush. And God says this, Moses, you're going to go back to Egypt. And Moses is like, I don't think so. I killed a guy, and I'm pretty sure they're, they're pretty sore over that. You know, like the higher-ups didn't like that, and I don't think he can go back there. And then God says, no, 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 I'm not asking you to just go back there and live. I'm asking you to go back there and get all of my people and bring them out. And that famous line, let my people go. Do you guys know that one? Don't you normally sing it? Let my people go. You know the song? Did no one grow up at Unity Baptist Church but me in this room? Okay. So all of them. He's like, not just a few of them. I want you to get every single one of them. And if you're keeping count, that is millions of people. And also, that is Pharaoh's entire workforce. I need you to go and get them. Big deal. Let them go. And Moses is like, I don't know about that. I'm not really sure about that. It's, it's, a good, it's not really a good life goal for me because I want to keep my life. So I'm not, I, don't, I don't know. And this is where we drop into the story. This is where I want you, if you, if you got your Bible, and I think it'll be on the screen, just this screen, because this bulb blew out this morning. So uh, look to my left, your right today. It's fine. We're going to fix it. Exodus 3 is where we want to pick up. with our main man Moses here. And here's where I want to start asking that question again. What do I need to do in order to finish something this year? What do I need to start? What do I need to do? We know where Moses ended. <coughs> You're seeing where he began. But I want you to look at this conversation he has with God, and I think it will inform you. I think you may recognize that I can do that. In fact, if you've looked ahead at the notes, you're going to recognize these three points. Arthur Ashe said them. I heard a sermon about them. I read Exodus. I was like, man, these all make really good sense. Let's make a sermon out of it. So if you're an Arthur Ashe fan, you're welcome. Hebrews 3 starts with this. Start where you are. You ready? Hebrews 3, 11 through 12. Hebrews 3, 11 through 12. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? That's his question. He's talking to a bush. Who am I that I can go in there and do this thing that you're asking me? A moment ago when I said for you guys to think ahead to your death, to your memorial service, some of you said, man, I would want someone to say that about me. But who am I to really think that that could happen? Here's what Moses experienced in the next verse. God said, read this with me. But I will be with you. Stop. Say it again. I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. 
When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. God and Moses are talking. Remember, God just told him, you're going to go back, you're going to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. You're going to do that, right? Well, I don't know that I can do that. Well, listen, I know that you don't think you can do it, but what does he say? I am with you. What do you think Moses is thinking? Maybe similar things that you're thinking. In his context, he's probably thinking, I killed a man 40 years ago there. I don't think they're going to be real super keen on me coming back there. I don't know. Maybe they're still looking for me. I don't know. I don't get a lot of correspondence with them. For some of you today, if you allow him, God will say something to you very powerful, and it will be something along the lines of what he spoke to Moses. It may not be a burning bush, but it'll be just as powerful because it's the same voice of God that spoke to Moses will speak to you, and it will be, I will be with you. Don't miss the power in that, that God is with you. Don't get, uh, don't get so caught up in your past or your mistakes or who you were yesterday. God is interested in who you were yesterday, and he's reconciling that version of you so that you can start something today. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter about your financial ruin or your relational ruin or what you thought you knew. God is saying, start it, and I will be with you. Where should we start? You start right where you are. That's what Moses is doing. Well, what should we do then? If you know the quote, you know what's next. Use what you have. Use what you have. I love that in chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Do you think for one minute that he's got a valid argument here? God, you want me to go back to Egypt, where I killed a man, and tell them that a bush told me to come and take all the workforce. They're not going to believe that. You ever had that argument with God? Man, I've had versions of that argument with God. And the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? He said, a staff. Now, we know this, and I hope you know this, that despite God's I'm with you, Moses still feels a wee bit unsure about the next steps. Anybody, does any of these things sound familiar? When God has told you to do something, just kind of throw your hand up if you've had this argument. Uh, What if they don't believe me? Anybody? What if they don't believe me? I don't know what to do with that. Uh, What if they don't listen to me? Anybody? Okay, good. What if they don't like me? Come on, only three of you? Everybody else everybody likes? Listen, I know some of you aren't raising your hand. Not everybody likes you, all right? (laughs) Just kidding. What if they don't understand that you're the one that sent me? Anybody ever wonder that? Man, I got a great message. It's from God, the Holy Spirit in my Bible, but I'm not sure that they're going to know it's from you. And what does God say? I love it, really. He says, what is in your hand there? What was in Moses' hand? Pop quiz. A staff. Uh, why? This is a great test for you, okay? You ready? Why did Moses have a staff in his hand? Because he was a shepherd. Anybody making a connection there? It wasn't any kind of special staff. You know that, right? It wasn't like he thought, you know what? I got a meeting with God today. Oh, man, I got to take something really cool. How about this staff? Man, I've been working on this staff for weeks. This is going to be the game changer. This is going to blow God away. He's going to love my staff. No, no, no. You know why he had a staff? Because that's what he had. It'd be like, hey, Mark, what's in your hand there? Uh, the bottle of water? Why are you holding the bottle of water? I, I was thirsty. I mean, I just had it, you know. I don't like, 
you can, you can have some, you know, just keep it, you know. And, and so what is God doing, though? God is going to take that staff, and he's going to do amazing things with it. You know that. He's going to take an ordinary staff that he already had in his hand because he just had it in his hand every day. And, and we know from the story, he's going to take that staff, and he's going to take it where Moses, at one point, he's going to throw it down, and that staff's going to turn to a snake, and he's going to pick it back up. It's going to be a staff again. This, this pedestrian staff. Uh, he's going to take that staff. He's going to perform miracle after miracle with it. At some point in the future, Moses doesn't know this yet. At some point in the future, Moses is going is to like hold it up and the armies are going to be defeated. He's going to touch water and the Red Sea is going to part. This ordinary staff. It is unbelievable the steps that God can take with the things that are already in your hands. He can take the ordinary and make it what? Extraordinary. That's so cheesy, but it's so true. You say, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what I got already in my hand. Okay, just think about it. Take, take 30 seconds here. What, what have you got in your hand right now? Maybe it's not a physical thing. I get that. What can you do that you're already doing that God is like, man, oh, man, I'm going to take this thing that you think is just totally just as normal every day, and I'm going to turn it into something incredible. Maybe you're like, you know what? I know how to cook. Okay, how can God use that? Maybe you're like, you know what? I lead some stuff. I coach some teams. How can God use that? You know, I know how to teach. Hey, I enjoy sitting with people. How can God take the things that are already in your hands and multiply them into miracles? If you just start, you'll say, well, all I can do is this. And God will say, perfect. That is right where I want you to start. I gotcha. What is in your hand? Moses said, uh, staff, and it became really famous because God touched it. You got to start where you are. And from what I can tell in the Bible, through church history, through personal experience, it doesn't seem to matter where I am because God loves me because he loves me. And he will take whatever is around and he will make some extraordinary things. And so if we look at that through this conversation with, with Moses again, we have, okay, I'm going to start where I am. I'm going I'm to use what I have. And what else? I'm going to do what I can. Look at that in verse 4, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, he's still arguing with him, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. What does that mean? Not a good speaker. Don't, don't do good at the speeches. That's what he's saying. I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. And the Lord said to him, and I think this is one of the most fascinating things God has ever said, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? It is not I. Is it not I, the Lord? And he says in verse 12, now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth. Everybody point to their mouth. God, I will be with your mouth and teach you what to speak. Now, you, you catch him what's going on here? Still arguing. Still arguing, having this back and forth. Another complaint. Great idea, but I don't know if you noticed, I'm not the greatest speaker. That's what Moses says. I'm plain, not eloquent. I don't know how to come up with things like if you don't ever start, you'll never finish. That, that, that's beyond Moses. <laughs> I read it somewhere. And God responds with the same thing he's going to respond with a lot of you today. Who made your mouth? you guys know the answer to that? He asks it. Do you think Moses was like, okay, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But my point is, I'm not good at it. Who made your mouth? Moses, you have never seen a mouth that I didn't make. That's what God says. I can make it stop. 
I can make it start. I can make your eyes work. I can make them not work. That, that is who is in charge here. Do you feel a little tension here between God and Moses? Moses doesn't want to get started, does he? He doesn't want to do it. He says, I'm just not sure. Think about it. It's, it's not like, maybe, maybe it's not unlike some of us today. God is saying, you know what? I, I, I need you to get started, and, and you're like a kid getting ready to leave to go somewhere. You just won't do it. And you just kept coming up with excuse after excuse. Does anybody have a kid like that? I've, I've got a kid like that sometimes, you know? Hey, it's time to go. Well, let me go pet the cat. We don't even have a cat anymore, you know? It's like, it, it, it's time to go. Well, I, I got to finish my milk. Really, all of a sudden, we're going to finish our food, right? It's time to go. Well, I got to go say bye to the Christmas tree, you know? Like, no, you don't. Talking about, it's time to go. Well, let me make sure I turned off the light in the bathroom, right? All of a sudden, they care about that sort of stuff. Let me just, let me just finish my homework, you know? I got all these things to do. And I think you do that with God. I think you get into these little tension-filled arguments with God. God told you a moment ago, maybe 20 minutes ago, this year, you will start this. And you're like, well, I got a lot of stuff to do before that. We got to get our Christmas tree down today, so I can't read the word when I get home. I mean, I guess we already did Romans 12, so I probably shouldn't even do that later because I got other things to do. Eagles got a game today, man. We could cinch the top seed in the playoffs. That is so eternally important. <laughs> I mean, I want them to win, but. And Moses, he says, I'm not, God actually tells him, I. I love this. I'm not going to give you everything you need to know. Did you guys catch that? How did he say he would give it to him? As you go, I will teach you. As you, after you start, once you get going, I'll show you what you need to know. Can we just have a moment of January 1st honesty? Does that not bother you guys about God? As your pastor, can I tell you, I don't like that. I believe it, I obey it, I don't like it. If God tells me something we're going to do in December, I would like to see every single step. Like, you know, when you get a piece of furniture you got to build, do you guys read the entire instruction manual, or do you just say, yeah, we'll just figure it out as we go? You see, that doesn't work for me. That almost ends our marriage every time I try that. So, so, so God, why do you think that's a good idea for me? Do you know why he thinks it's a good idea for me and for you? Who am I trusting? My ability to read instruction manuals or my ability to trust the one who is sending me? That's what I think. Many of us sit there, we're thinking, you know what? Okay, maybe I don't need to know the, all the steps, but maybe the thing God gave me, maybe I need to be more educated in order to do it. Oh, really? Right, right. You need to be more educated before we go. And many of us are educated beyond our level of obedience. Have you ever noticed that about yourself? Man, I notice it about me. I am educated beyond my level of obedience in many areas of my life. But I use it as a crutch to not do it. Well, I don't really know. I need to read on this more. Really? God said go. He didn't tell you to read. God said listen and obey. So what is it? We simply need to get going. And it's time to get started. Because you will never finish what you don't start. So start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Maybe some of you right now, you're like, you know what? I need to heal my marriage. Can you do that 100% today? I, probably not, but you'll never do it if you don't take the first step. Some of you, you maybe you're like, you know what? I, I'd like to run a marathon this year. Guess what? You, if you've not run before, you won't be doing that tomorrow. 
But you will never do it if you don't start today training or at least putting a plan together. I mean, some of you are like, man, this year's a year I get out of debt. Am I going to do that by next Sunday? I don't know. I don't know if you will or not. But I know you won't if you don't ever start. I know that for a fact. Some of your students in here, man, it's a, it's a new semester coming. You know, I'm going to make better grades this semester. Are you? You're going to do that in a week? Probably not. But you won't if you don't start. Do what you can. What happens is sometimes, this, this is so true, man. When God told me to write this down, I was like, oh, this is for me. Because what happens sometimes is God is taking us somewhere, and we love the end result. You follow me? We love the end result. Like if I said right now, God is going to get you out of debt this year. Yes. God's going to help you lose 30 pounds this year. Woohoo! right? That'd be incredible. God's going to grow our church by what? That'd be great, man. We love, love, love the end result. But then we see all the steps we got to take to get there. And we start thinking, oh, that's just too hard. And I believe that's why God doesn't show you every step. He shows you where to start. We all want that last step. But we think through all the steps to get there, and we're like, oh, it's going to be too hard. God is the one who's with you. God is the one. He says it to Moses, and I believe he says it to us. I will teach you and show you as you do it. As you go, I will show you. And if you just start where you are, then you'll find that God is with you the entire time. None of it is a surprise to him. He knows. Look back with me in Hebrews. Remember that? Hebrews 11. After all of that, we know that Moses goes in there and they wander in the forest for another 40 years, but he did it. And we see what God has to say about him in Hebrews 11. I'll read it to you again, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Every single one of you are going to live a life, and you're going to leave a legacy. You get to decide what that legacy is. You do. If you haven't started that already, start today. There's two questions I want to ask you, and you're going to answer them. What do I have? What can I do? I want us to pray those questions right now. You ask God. It's not for you to go into your brain and think up something really cool. God will show you. So why don't we pray together right now? Father God, show us. What do I have? What can I do? I even challenge you. If you've got a pen or a paper, if you're on the notes online there, write your answers in. Email your answers to yourself. What do I have? What can I do? Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit, I thank you that you prompt us, even in this moment, to write things in that space. I praise you that you, you, you turn our hearts to not just do things, but you show us what we're capable of, and then you follow along with us on the journey as you're teaching us the things we need to do. God, the journey that we go on and that we go on with you is extraordinary. 
So I pray today for everybody in, the, in this room and everybody watching at home or on their phone or wherever it is they're watching. We would take you seriously. We would listen to you. And you would show us what we have and what we can do. And even as we're praying and you're thinking through those things, there's others of you who God brought you here for this moment. It's very simple. The reason that, that you're here isn't to start a task but it's for that last little part there, that, that scripture that Moses said. All that stuff was great, but it's like, huh, wait a minute. Th- that very last part, it said he was looking forward to his reward. Now, there's believers in the room. There's Jesus followers in the room that know that. They know what that is. But there's some in here and probably online that you don't. And the Bible says that if you confess your sins with your mouth, and believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, that you will be saved. That's the reward. It's salvation. It's an eternity with Jesus, with his son Jesus, that, that without that, you will not have the reward. You will actually spend an eternity without him. And so if that's you today and you feel that prompting and you feel that the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now to give your life to him, what better day than today? to say, I give it all to him. And here's how you can do it. You can pray with me right now. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. That's you confessing with your mouth. I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you came in humility for me. You died on the cross. You were buried in a tomb. You rose from a grave. Today, I receive forgiveness. You are my God. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. In your son Jesus' name.